I don't trust that many people in the equine industry. They're worked several times a day, they're used and abused for, for the money, and I think it's nice in a way that I can still speak to him. I think the biggest of things that I see in 10 years time is Hello guys and welcome to the first ever episode of the Blob the Cobcast. With me, of course, your host, Kate Lewis. Although I bet you're wishing it was literally anyone else. I mean, Esme has a podcast, guys. I really don't know what you're doing here. <laughs> but nevertheless, if you are here, thank you so much for joining and I really hope you enjoy the podcast. It's been something that I've wanted to try for a really long time, but I really had no idea where to start or what equipment I needed or whether I should because let's face it, I have a really terrible Yorkshire accent and I can talk for Britain, which can be really annoying. So I'm pretty sure this podcast could probably be used in interrogation somewhere to get information out of someone. <laughs> they're sat there going, you'll never get anything out of me. And then they start playing my podcast and they're like, oh my God, okay, please turn it off. I'll tell you everything. Just just get, get her away. <laughs> And it is just me at the moment, guys, although I am hoping that I will make some friends along the way, and then we might have some nice co-hosts joining, or some people to interview, and um, other things to talk about, so that would be really fun, but for now, it is just me, and today, I asked you guys over on Instagram what you would like me to do for my first ever podcast, and the vast majority of you guys wanted me to just have a nice sit-down and go through a lovely Q&A. So that's what we're going to be doing today and we're going to jump straight into it because let's face it, if you're here with me listening to me and my podcast, then you must be pretty bored. So let's try and uh, liven things up a little bit. <laughs> so when I asked you guys to ask me questions for this podcast, I said you could be as deep as you wanted, um, you know, you could ask a light question or we could get really deep and delve into some dark topics on this podcast. So we have a bit of a mix of everything. So I think we're just going to have a little scroll through um, whilst I'm recording and just answer lots of questions on here as we go. Obviously, setting the tone for the podcast already with the amount of effort that's going into it. I'm literally just scrolling on my phone whilst I'm recording this. <laughs> but nevertheless, we're going to get straight into it because let's face it, if you are listening to my podcast, you must be pretty bored. <laughs> so Harl's PCRP asked, when are you going to start working with the youngsters? So this is something that I have been thinking about a lot recently because originally, like when they were first born, like when Blue was first born, I always thought to myself, oh, it would be nice to work with them myself, but then I would probably rather send them away because the way I see it, it's like if you had kids and you sent them to school for their first few years or you homeschooled them. Like, it's like those two. So if you send your child to an, like a public school or a private school or just a school with other kids, they're way more likely to get more social skills, I think. And that's just my opinion. Um, whereas, obviously, if you homeschool a child and they don't see anyone but you, they're not going to get the same social skills. And I think it's kind of similar for the horses. So 
recently I spoke to my farrier who does obviously a lot of work in the area and he does a lot for the remedial shoeing and things for the hospitals around um and he was talking about how he sent a couple of his youngsters to a guy that lives about half an hour away from us and he had done a fantastic job with them and he'd worked with a lot of other people's professionals horses in the area and stuff and I sort of thought to myself, do you know what? That might be a really good way to go. And the way he spoke about him, he said that this guy, he's really calm, very patient. He's just really good with the horses. And that was something that was so important to me because I don't trust that many people in the equine industry. There's a very short list of people I trust. And I don't think I'm the only one who thinks that way. Obviously, there's a lot of people in the equine industry whose methods I don't agree with. But this guy, I have spoken to him on the phone this week and he seems fantastic, seems really lovely, has a very similar approach to me when it comes to the backing and braking and the working with horses in general um, and everything that goes towards it. So I think at this moment in time, I am swaying towards letting him back blue and probably poppy and skippy as well but it is a hard choice because it also means obviously blue would have to leave and go away for probably a couple of months um which scares me because he's like literally my baby um so it does scare me because i know i'd miss him a lot but then also, because of how close the guy is to where we are, it just means that we would be able to go and see him occasionally. Obviously, I wouldn't want to overexert myself into it and, um, you know, intrude on the work that he's doing because I know how frustrating that is when people do it to me. So um, I'd obviously leave him to do his own thing a little bit, but I would like to be somewhat involved and maybe have my first couple of rides on Blue at the yard where he'll be broken so um that is the plan i think at the moment but before this i did kind of plan on doing it myself because i have broken a fair few horses in myself and i was quite confident and happy to do it but i just think it would be better for them and i think it would give them a completely new and different experience that i just can't replicate at this moment in time so i think the plan is blue has basically just had a big growth spurt so he's gone a little bit finer again and a lot taller um, and is now just starting to fill out again so obviously he has only recently just turned three so age-wise that's when a lot of people do back them but we're gonna leave him until he's almost four next year providing that he is ready and he's filled out and he looks ready and you know seems ready um, I think it's one of those things that every horse is different. Some horses literally turn three and it's like, right, they're good to go. Um, and other horses, they're not ready to be really be looked at even until they're four or even five. Um, you know, so it just depends on the horse. But I'm hoping he will fill out and get a little bit chunkier over the winter. So that's the plan. But I have just started doing some work with him to get him ready to have a bit in and have a bridle on. Something I would like to do a little bit of with him over this winter is doing a little bit more in-hand showing because um, I think that would be something he'd really benefit from. Obviously, anything that gets him going on the box and going out to a few local shows would be really beneficial for him. 
Um, and I do believe that the more you can expose young horses to different things when they're younger, the better a horse they will be. Because um, if you protect them from everything too much, they're just going to be terrified of everything later on in life. So, and again, that's just my opinion, but that's how I'm going to be working with my youngsters. And yeah, I will keep you guys filled in along the way. So the next question we have is actually a very interesting, a very good one. Um, and it's from Jaspi Cherry. <laughs> and that is, which horse gave you the most confidence and which horse knocked your confidence the most? And I think that's such a good question because obviously we have 27 horses. So that's a lot of choice between them. Um, but I would say, which horse brought my confidence on the most it's got to be a toss-up i think between between nero and evie um because dreamer dreamer not my confidence a lot with jumping but he got my confidence in riding up initially you know in those very early years because i was a bit small on dreamer so i couldn't really get him to jump you had to ride him very positively towards a fence and I was just so little and I hadn't really done much jumping at all other than on a very like push button school riding pony. Um, so I just couldn't get to grips with jumping dreamer. And then Bob came in and obviously gave me so much confidence in jumping up to sort of like a meter, meter 10, and then over some bigger fences at home. So jumping Bob was really, really good. But then Bob would sort of max out at shows about sort of a meter 20 uh, which is a very big fence um but nero came in and made a meter 20 feel like nothing feel like a cross pole <laughs> i could literally warm nero up over a meter 20 and it was like nothing at all and of course he had just had a completely different way of going to bob so bob was a little bit more you had to be quite accurate with him when it came to jumping it'd be very accurate and if you missed a little bit he would probably throw in a stop he was very genuine but not quite as genuine as nero nero would help you out a bit more if you were a bit too far away or a little bit close he was way more likely to try and help you out but then i think evie sort of went a step further from that again evie was such a tank and is such a tank um you know she would she literally never stopped at anything um i think in the entire time we had her she stopped once and that was because i did a ridiculous jump off turn i actually fell off it was at arena uk i remember that and it was two oxes so there was one Oxy, you went over in sort of a straight line and then you turned back to the left onto this other oxer in the jump off section and i remember jumping the first oxer and looking down and seeing on the ground that we'd landed a little bit inside and you could see the tracks from the other horses as to where they'd ridden and i remember looking down and thinking instead of oh i better correct her and take it out a bit wider i remember looking and thinking wow we're on this super cool inside track that none of the other horses could even get on like we must be doing a really good turn and i didn't even look up i just looked at the sand and then by the time i looked up it was literally right in front of us like i literally span her onto it and even evie just went no <laughs> and i just did a very slow motion fall off onto my feet um, which I think I did use it as a fail in one of my sort of more dramatic edits that I used to do on YouTube, which was quite funny, but 
yeah, it was it was a funny fall. But other than that, I don't think Evie ever stopped. So she gave me so much confidence and she was just a tank. It was a bit scary sometimes how brave she was because you'd be in like a one meter 40 class and she'd be going down to this massive ox or somewhere and I would see like a short stride and she would see a long one or I'd be approaching something and I'd be like four or five strides away and think okay this is like a no-go or I need to a circle or something and she would just set onto it and be like no mother we are going over this jump I don't care where I am if I'm underneath it or if I'm three strides out I am jumping it anyway and that was a little bit scary <laughs> but she did give me so much confidence and she made me so brave at that level. I felt like I could get on any horse and just give it a go. So I owe a lot to her and Nero and all of my horses. They've they've all taught me so many different things. And then which horse knocked my confidence the most? That's also a really interesting one because it depends on the time in that horse's career, if that makes sense. So Ziggy was a pony that could either fill you with confidence or destroy it because he got his confidence from you. So if you were a bit nervous, then he could quite easily just go, oh, I don't know, I'm not doing it now because you're so nervous. And if that was the case, then it kind of just made you more nervous. And it we worked against one another on those kind of days. But then equally, when you had him on your side, he was unstoppable. Like, he was just brilliant. Um, so I'd have to say probably the horse that knocked my confidence the most has probably been Carly and I just say that because the time we're going through now I feel like I'm building my confidence back up again which is a fantastic feeling it's just the best in the world but like last year I lost so much confidence with Carly because she has a little bit of arthritis at the base of her neck and she used to be really brave with fences the bigger fences that that is um and this little bit of arthritis obviously as she ages it gets a little bit worse and we have it treated every year but this like this last 12 months I think it's she's been starting to feel it a little bit more so even though we've treated it she only really seems to feel it when I ask her to sit up a little bit so when she's approaching a bigger fence and obviously I need her sat a little bit more on her hocks and a bit more uphill in her canter she starts to sort of almost twinge her neck to her side as if oh actually that sort of like hurts a bit and she is a very sensitive horse so I'm sure it's not actually hurting her a lot plus she has had it treated and medicated so she shouldn't really be able to feel much at all but I think even if she can just feel a tiny twinge that's enough for her to just be like no I can't do it so she literally she gets a little bit unrideable when she's like that because you just can't ride her to a fence at all and I wouldn't want to obviously she's she's such a passionate mare about the jumping that if she says no I'm not gonna force her because she loves her job and if she doesn't want to jump then I'm not gonna make her jump so Anyway, she's been doing good and she's doing a lot better recently. I've sort of taken taken my foot off the gas with her and taken it back down to the easier stuff and I think that's where I'm going to keep her and try and just make her into a bit more of an all-rounder than a show jumper because I think that is going to stop her, that bit of arthritis, as the fences get bigger. So I think we're just going to keep it at sort of like 90, a metre sort of level and let her stretch out a bit more and not make her sit up as much because at that level she can get away with kind of just 
running around a little bit rather than having to sit herself up and wait and listen quite as much. Obviously, she still needs to be able to do it to an extent, but not quite as much as if we were looking at jumping 120, 130, 140 and so on. So I think that's how we're going to go for it with her. Um, but yeah, she is she's doing good anyway. And the main thing is she is a lot happier in her current routine, which is the most important thing, I think, for any horse. So viola trainer 567 asked are you using your own horses for your new riding school so if you guys are listening to this and you've never met me before (laughs) then you may not know that i have recently set up a riding school so it's only a very small riding school we have about 10 horses that we use in total and that ranges from literally like Rue as one of the Shetlands for really tiny little tots and then all the way up to like Nova who um and and Tilly and Harry who are also registered um who are obviously a lot more advanced horses so it's a very small riding school but yes I am using all my own horses and they're loving it they're having a brilliant time and it's so good for them because they just keep in a nice amount of work but not too much something i'm very passionate about with the riding school is making sure the horses enjoy the work and making sure that they're not overworked because i think i'm i can't be the only one who think who used to think of riding schools as sort of the stereotypical they're worked several times a day they're used and abused for for the money and stuff and you know, they don't really have that much care go into them. It's all about how many times they can be ridden in a day. Um, so that was sort of how I saw riding schools for a lot of the time when I was growing up. And that was something that I really hated. And I always said that if I ever set up a riding school of my own, that was something that was going to change. So my horses, the only time they would ever work more than once in a day would be if it was two short sessions so we do offer for like young kids under 10 years old we do offer a short session of half an hour so they if they were doing two half hour sessions with a little break in between then that would be fine um or if they were doing a complete beginner lesson or like a little hack or something and a normal schooling session then that's okay but other than that they keep to strictly one session a day and they only do that five days a week so they get two full days off as well which i think is a really nice routine because it's basically like a normal horse routine which is lovely and we've got such a lovely set of people coming in um, to the riding school, which has been really, really nice because we've got a lot of regulars that come on and the horses get to know them and love them as well. And it's just been a really nice experience so far. Obviously, we've only been set up since the 1st of June um, and running since the 1st of June. But yeah, it has just been great so far. We've really enjoyed it. So we also had, and I will keep this one private just because it discusses mental health, um, a question from another person who said, how are you with your mental health? I am suffering quite a bit at the moment. So firstly, to this individual, I'm really sorry to hear that you are struggling at the moment if you're listening to this podcast. Um, But my mental health has actually, currently touching wood, been okay recently um i've been doing a lot better i still have my off days but i was on antidepressants so i was on sertraline which i believe is one of the most common ones that you can be on but don't quote me on that 
I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know all the different types, but I was on sertraline for a good four years, I believe, and I came off it six months ago and have been doing really well since. I sort of went through a period at the beginning of this year where it was really difficult and I was starting to majorly struggle again, um, but I sort of pushed through and I thought this some of this could be the, the almost the withdrawal of not having the antidepressants. So I thought, right, I'll just leave it a little bit longer and just see how it goes. And fortunately, as my mental health started to improve, the riding school opened. So it gave me something to do to keep me busy and keep me active and keep me occupied, which is something that I haven't had much of in the last few years. So I think that was something that really helped me. But it's odd looking back when you are in a good headspace with your mental health it's really strange for me to look back on the days where I didn't want to be here anymore and that's a really strange thought but there was I have without getting too deep although I did say this podcast could be deep when you ask questions so um I had quite a few times where I was ready to go and I made decisions that I look back on now and I think, oh my gosh, how did I even get to that place? Like, it's crazy of me to sit here and think I could have been feeling that way and that if things had kept going the way they were, that I may not be sat here at all. And that's so odd to me. And I can't help but think what a waste it would have been and all the things that that... I've have happened now that I would have missed out on and the things that haven't happened yet but hopefully will one day that I would miss out on too and how it would make everyone around me feel and how awful it would be and I can't help but think how on earth did I ever get into that position in the first place but I think that's the awful thing like one of the awful many awful things with mental health problems is that a lot of the time those really bad days like the the worst of the worst days in it are very much like in just that day or in that moment or just you know it's it's a split second decision a lot of the time for for a lot of people and I know I've spoken to a lot of people who suffer with mental health illnesses so this isn't for everyone obviously so please don't take this as like a, a very broad thing um but from the people that I've spoken to in their experiences they've said it was very similar for them and that it's it's a split second thing it's a it's a moment you feel like it for because not many people think about it for very long and I guess that's why they say to people that the quieter people are and sort of the more like you know on their own people are the the more likely they are to to come to very horrible thoughts so yeah it's um something I used to struggle with an awful lot but I'm very fortunate that currently again touching wood <laughs> I am going through a better place in life which is something that I didn't think I would say for a really long time and for the first time in my life in fact I'm gonna say it right here on this podcast I'm somewhat proud of myself and I don't completely hate myself as a human being. <laughs> and I would say that's success. <laughs> if any one of you who's listening suffers with mental health problems, to actually like yourself as a human is quite a feat. So I'm going to take that one as it comes and uh, <laughs> make the most of it while it lasts. But 
yeah, I'm proud of what I've achieved, particularly this year, starting up the business and coming from where I was in life to where I am now. I'm really proud of myself and being able to have my own business and have my own team of staff and look after all of the horses on top of all of that and then be able to do stuff like this too, which hopefully you guys will enjoy and we can do this for a while. But yeah, doing stuff like this is awesome and uh, yeah, I'm so lucky that I'm in a position both mentally and financially, I guess, to be able to sit here and do stuff like this and have the time to do it. Um, And I'm so grateful for that because if it wasn't for the riding school, I definitely wouldn't be sat here making this podcast because the only reason I'm able to do this now is because I finally splurged and managed to save enough money to buy myself my own computer, which again, I'm so proud of myself for because I never thought I would ever be in in the position to buy my own computer. <laughs> so that has been fantastic. But yeah, and the next question we're going to look at is a bit of a lighter one. Are you a Swifty? asks Bronte Florison. I love Taylor Swift, but I'm not like obsessed. I enjoy a lot of her songs, but I can't say I would pay what some people have been paying to go and see one of the concerts because as much as I would enjoy going to one of a concert of any kind because I never get to leave home literally I have 27 horses my my life is here and that's it (laughs) but if I did have the opportunity to go to a concert I I don't think I would ever spend that much money to do that like some people have spent crazy amounts on tickets from what I've seen online and that is nuts to me so I think I'll just keep listening to her stuff from home um but yeah I enjoy like all music basically if it has a beat to it I enjoy it um and I also enjoy the the sort of sad songs as well I like a lot of Billie Eilish's songs um I often listen to things like that it depends what mood I'm in if I'm feeling really upbeat then I'll listen to some more upbeat things um And if I'm feeling a bit more down and sad, then I'll listen to some Billie Eilish songs because they seem to fit my mood sometimes and some like Olivia Rodrigo and stuff like that when I'm when I'm feeling down or I'm angry or sad. (laughs) But then the next question we've got is what is the highest you have jumped cross country and show jumping as well as have you ever tried eventing and that comes from Eloise Equestrian Advent or Adventures I'm not sure it's cut off the end on my um screen so what is the highest I've jumped cross country I think the highest I've ever jumped cross country would have been on Vanti when we went to Manor Farm and this was back in I believe 2019 Sadly, Vanti passed away a few months after we lost Dreamer, unfortunately, um, in his new home. And that was also a very difficult time. But Vanti, I absolutely adored. He was just the best. And oh, he was just fantastic. And he was the only horse that I would ever take cross country to that extent. Um, he loved cross country. He really did. I actually wish that I'd taken him more because he really, really loved it. And he made me feel so brave cross country, whereas every other horse that I'm on, 
I can't hack it. <laughs> I am so scared of jumping any solid fences. It freaks me out so much. I don't know why. I don't know whether it's just because they are solid fences or whether I've just watched way too many rotationals out cross country when I'm watching like badminton and things like that uh, or what it is, but I just don't like it. It freaks me out. I am way more confident doing show jumping than I have ever been towards a cross country fence. And interestingly enough, I have a lot of eventing friends who say the complete opposite. They're like, oh, show jumping's so scary. I don't know how you do it. Yet they go out and jump up to like, you know, two star eventing and things. And I'm there going, oh my God, you must be nuts, honestly, because cross country is terrifying to me. <laughs> but with Vanti, I think the biggest we jumped that day that I took him my dad measured both the front and the back of it because it was lower, like it was taller at the back than it was at the front. So at the side on takeoff, it was a meter 10. And then on landing, it there was like a slight drop down. So it was about a meter 20. So I don't know what you'd class that as, but that was the highest that I jumped. And that was scary, but on Vanti, it wasn't so bad. And then show jumping, the highest I have jumped in a first round is technically a meter 45. Um, so I don't know what heights the jump off would have been after that, but that was with Evie and also technically with Nero at Horse of the Year show, although I don't think it was that big. I think it was a bit smaller than that personally, but on the actual like thing, on the entries, it was a meter 45. So I think they built it a bit nicer in person, but that's just my opinion and that was just my year. So again, don't take that personally if you guys are out there jumping classes at Hoyers. I'm not saying that they're smaller because I'm sure they're not. Maybe I was just really confident or maybe the course builder was just feeling really nice, but <laughs> I didn't think the class I did with Nero was quite a meter 45, but maybe it was, who knows? <laughs> so I'm just scrolling through more questions now and I've seen a question that at first glance I didn't really want to answer because I was scared that I might get upset but then I think it's something that I do like to keep talking about so that I keep the memory active and that's a question that someone called Bubbles and Bits 3 asked and that is do you miss Dreamer and if I was going to answer this in the short <laughs> short term I would say yes so much I miss him more than anything or anyone that I've ever known in the whole world um and I think about him every single day like it's been nearly two years and I really do think about him every day and I talk to him every day and I don't know whether that's weird but I I think it's nice in a way that I can still speak to him and I feel that he's here and that's maybe strange for some of you guys to think about if you're not really that spiritual or you just don't believe in anything like that but and I'm not particularly spiritual in a sense of like I believe that you see people or things wandering around you know like ghosts and stuff but I do believe and this is just my personal opinion that there is a heaven or I would I'd like to you know continue to believe that because for me, I, I don't see the harm in it, personally. I think when the time comes that I get to discover whether there's a heaven or not, either I'm right and I'll be where I hope to eventually be um, when my time sadly comes and I get to see all my family and 
all the ones and things that I truly love in life again. And if I'm wrong, then I don't think I'll really know any different. I think I'll just be gone and that's that. Um, so I don't really see the harm in believing that there is something else out there. And the experience I've had recently, though, a few months ago, has kind of like really made me think about what is out there afterwards and if we really can hang around after we're gone because dreamer literally from the day that he passed away i felt a presence so dreamer is at home with us um and when i walked past where he is a few days after he passed away i was crying and i told him i loved him and at that very moment i looked up and the second i said i loved him the brightest shooting star swiped straight across the sky and i'm not joking every day that i've been out on a night which if you guys have seen my instagram stories is an awful lot just before i go in the house I look up to the sky and if the stars are out, I say goodnight to Dreamer and I tell him how much I love him and how much I miss him. And every day that I've done that, every night, I have seen a shooting star at the exact moment that I've said it. Every single time. And that's beyond coincidence for me. Um, and again, whether you believe in that stuff or not, that's completely up to you but to me that's it's beyond a coincidence it's it's him and i know that and i feel it and i, I don't know how else to describe it other than other than a feeling that i have within myself that i know that it's him i just know it and the only other experience i've had other than that where i've really felt close to dreamer was where i saw him about three or four months ago and that was a really incredible experience and one that i really never thought i would have and i actually put something over on my instagram and of my tiktok of the moment that i saw him so it was late at night and it was a time where i was particularly having a bad day or a bad week i should say um I was really stressed and really upset and I was worrying about the future and we hadn't opened the riding school yet and I was just really panicked about everything, really stressed, really upset. I was putting hay in the, out in the fields for the following morning with like tears in my eyes. I was just having a terrible day and I looked up and immediately at the bottom of the field that I was in, I saw him and he was just standing there looking straight at me. And in that moment, I wasn't thinking to myself, this can't be possible, this can't be real. I just started to run towards him. Uh, I just shouted, Dreamer, and I ran towards him. And when I got closer, he just vanished. And then when I walked away again, there he was. And it was like it was just like a barrier, but he was there and it was him. And I could see him literally stood there looking at me and I knew it was him. And again, it wasn't an instinct of like, oh, what's that? That's a funny, funny shape or a funny light. Immediately I looked up and thought, dreamer, it's him. Like, you know, it was, it was as if he was, he'd never gone. He was just in the field. It literally just looked like he was waiting for me to go and get him in. 
like like he should have been that night when I went to get him and I'm not gonna cry because this is the first podcast and literally every time I film nowadays I cry and we're not gonna do that today Kate (laughs) so get a grip um but yeah and then I thought to myself after I'd had a couple of minutes to sort of (laughs) pull myself together I thought can't be surely I'm, I'm going mad I'm going mad and I got my phone out and I took a photo and he was there on the photo he was right there and that is like as close to evidence I think I will ever get that there is something there afterwards and that he really was there and I've had a lot of messages since putting that on my Instagram and on my TikTok saying that like they didn't really believe in things like that either yet after seeing that they can't not see it like it's him even you know it's not just me I did sort of think is it one of those things I'm gonna put online and everyone's like oh it's just a shadow or it's just a weird light but literally everyone that saw it was like no that's him like you can see it clear as day you can see his ears you can see his forelock you can it's a it's a horse and it's not just any horse like it's him um obviously there were no other horses out in the field you know there was no chance that it was another horse everyone was in it was winter so yeah it was a really strange experience but I felt so close to him and immediately I stopped crying with sadness and started crying with like just I don't know the feeling that he was there and I felt warmth even in like those sad and stressful times I could feel him there and that was so special to me and I think I will have that feeling with him forever and I hope I have that feeling with him forever and I and I hope that heaven is real and one day when my time comes I'll close my eyes and I'll open them again and I like to imagine that I'll just wake up in some field somewhere nearby in our bottom field and and I'll just be sort of coming to terms with where I am and I'll just hear a low-pitched little whinny behind me and I'll turn or a little wicker and I'll turn around and he'll be stood there and I'll jump on his back and we'll canter home to the stables and stuff where everyone who I've ever known and loved in my life will be waiting for me and that's what I want to imagine (laughs) that would be the ideal for me so yeah so moving on to a little bit of a lighter note now um obviously things got a little bit deep then so we're gonna come out of the pits of despair for a few minutes and um, well hopefully for the rest of the podcast I haven't scrolled through the rest of these questions yet but we'll see um so Libby Andrew Eventing asked which youngster do you think has the most potential at this stage of their journey so that's a great question and this is something that me and my family bounce between all the time because we'll constantly go through phases of being like oh I think this one has the most potential or this one's going to be the best and then like a couple of months later we'll be like oh no we we were wrong like this one is going to be the best so something that I have picked up a lot of in being with horses especially since starting the riding school is that horses value lays in a lot of different ways than just how big they can jump or how fast they are or how fancy they move it's not all about how talented they are in particular it's for us and um for a lot of people it's more about 
how good they are as a horse like as an all-round horse how good they are on the ground because it doesn't matter how talented they are if they're an absolute knob on the ground then they're not worth knowing sometimes honestly (laughs) we have had some disaster horses in the past um on the ground and stuff and it's a nightmare um so i think if we were talking strictly in terms of jumping I would say either just based off breeding and the way they move and the way they act alone, I would have to say either Poppy or Blue. Because Blue has the best jumping bloodlines, um, you know, on paper, and he does move beautifully. And he, you know, he has a nice big jump on him as well. Sometimes I let them play in the arena with like a little cross pole out somewhere and let them just run around and jump that if they feel like it. And the times he has jumped it, he does have a really nice, big, scopey jump on him. Um, but then Poppy is really similar to her mum. Like, really, really similar. She's a lot bigger than Evie, but she is very similar. So I do think she has a lot of potential in the jumping as well. And she also just seems to be really interested in riding. So their field where the foals are actually joins on to the arena. So they can, when like the riding school kids are riding, or if I'm riding some of the others, they can just come and watch. And Poppy, no matter where she is in the field, will run down when we come out to ride and just like lay her head on the fence and just stare at whoever's riding as if like, wow, that's so cool. So I do think there's a lot about her personality in particular that stands out um, in in that sense and she has a bit of a presence about her this poppy and this is something that a lot of the professionals that have come to the yard in like sense of you know the farrier the vet physio chiro and things like that have also mentioned is that when they go in the stable with poppy it sort of feels similar to when you go in the stable with nero or evie like there's there's something about them that you can't quite put your finger on they just have a presence and poppy has that presence honestly she really does you can feel it when you go in the stable with her but then from a point of view of the best all-round horse i'd probably have to say pickle because he is just fantastic and he's a nervy boy bless him but he's the sweetest sweetest soul in the whole universe that foal honestly is is just the nicest horse ever like he's so sweet he's actually built really nicely as well his confirmation's lovely um for what we wanted him for which you know is a bit of an all-rounder more towards the jumping hopefully um but yeah, he has a lovely amount of bone, lovely confirmation, just a, a really lovely boy all round. I can't say the word lovely enough when it comes to describing Pickle because he's just the best. Like he, even like leading him around and stuff, he's never bitten anyone. He doesn't run, he doesn't pull, doesn't do anything nasty. He can be a bit spooky sometimes. And when he spooks, he like jumps towards you because he's he's like, mummy, help me. And I'm like, Pickle, you weigh a ton now. Can you just like back off (laughs) um but he is really really sweet and he just licks you all the time he never bites and would never bite you but he will lick you which i think is adorable so he'll lick like your hair your hands your back your shoulder your neck like he'll just lick you everywhere unless he's tenderizing you i've never thought about that maybe if i stand there for long enough he'd just take a massive chunk out of me he's tenderizing the meat (laughs) no i'm joking he is really really lovely so i think he'll be the nicest sort of all-round horse 
I think blue will be the flashiest in terms of like dressage and possibly jumping too. But Poppy, again, she has that presence. So who knows? I, I think it's even, even Stevens between all three, to be honest. But I am super excited to see what they will be like at in that stage of their journey um obviously blue will be first up hopefully for that if he stays all sound and happy and healthy and everything and fills out okay over the winter then it'll be his turn like we mentioned earlier in the spring and then poppy and skippy will be the following year but poppy is already so much bigger than blue so i'm somewhat scared as to how big he's actually gonna get she even um because she's already massive. She's already a lot bigger than her mum. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not looking good for having her be under 17 hands, that's for sure. So, another question now, which is another good one. It says, do you think you can give all the horses the love and attention they deserve? So, again, a little bit of a deeper question, but to give you a short answer yes um we give all of our horses and all of our animals so much attention and i spend literally every waking hour of my day with my horses as much as i possibly can and at the end of the day as well they all get plenty of attention but also they like to have time to themselves like they they're not the kind of horses that like me to be like around them constantly all the time like you know groveling around them all the time they like to have their own space they like to be out in the field and at the end of the day if i can give these 27 horses a safe and happy and healthy home where they get everything they need any treatment they need all the care in the world that they need safe fields safe dry stables spacious and well bedded to be able to give them a groom and look after their feet and give them their feeds and everything then I'm doing a good job, even if that means I don't get to groom every single one every single day, then I don't think they care. <laughs> Especially at this time of year when they're just out in the field grooming each other. Um, a lot of the horses are obviously retired and stuff, and again, we give them as much attention as we possibly can, but they like just having a nice quiet life, and they'd be much better in a home like with us, to my opinion, than you know, in a home where they're with someone who expects them to do a lot of stuff or, you know, that like they they have jobs all the time that they have to do, so or they're neglected or anything like that. They're safe, they're happy, they're healthy, and that has got to count for something. So I definitely think they're getting more than enough attention and they're all very happy horses, so that's the main thing. And hopefully we can keep it that way. <laughs> So this next question is probably going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, um, just so that I can explain it properly. But the question that this person asked is, is there someone special in your life at the moment? And the way it's phrased, I'm guessing you mean, you know, in like a boyfriend or girlfriend or partner sort of sense. So I would just kind of want to explain as to who I am and where I am in life so that you guys know because I know I have mentioned it occasionally on like Instagram stories and stuff before but it's something that I definitely don't think I've spoken about much in terms of like on YouTube videos and things if at all so a podcast is a really good space to talk about this with um but I basically identify as asexual so I basically to me it can mean different things to different people but to me it means that 
I don't experience a want to be sexual with anyone or anything or in any way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, <laughs> that's what it means to me anyway. Um, some asexuals do still enjoy to be intimate with people, um, but some don't and um, that's me. So, I did for a long time think that I could be a romantic asexual but I do think that I am actually an aromantic asexual um if you could distinguish the difference between the two things I just said so um I found out I think a very long time I found out I think a very long time ago sorry I was facing the other way so it probably went a bit weird <laughs> um growing up I always knew that I was different to some of the other girls and stuff in my year I always realized that I was different so by the time we got to sort of the age of like 13, 14, some of the girls in my year had started talking a little bit more in depth about the people they fancied. Instead of just being like, oh, I think so-and-so is cute and stuff, it was more of like, you know, what they wanted to do with people. <laughs> and to me, I was kind of like, it was didn't interest me at all. I'm not like repulsed by any of it, but to me I was just kind of like okay maybe I'm just a bit you know a bit young still I'm a bit behind maybe maybe that time will come for me and I will feel the same as they do in a few years or something then by the time I got to college a lot of people were sexual and you know having sex with different people and Again, it was something I still could not have been less interested in and I thought to myself, maybe I'm just a really slow burner. Um, and then by the time I got out of college and into my early 20s, I was like, okay, yeah, I think this is just who I am as a person. And it's something that it, I felt so much better as soon as I actually came to terms with it. And the, the fascinating thing is I didn't even know what asexuality was until... I found it in like my like very early 20s. I didn't really even know what it was. I'd heard of it before but I didn't really know fully what it meant and as soon as I read up about it and did my research I finally felt like I belonged somewhere which is such a nice feeling if you're watching this and you identify as anything other than just straight heterosexual you know and you have actually had to sort of go and find yourself a little bit and you know you're part of the lgbtq community community and um you know and anything like that whoever you are you had to discover yourself a little bit when you find out who you are it is such a nice feeling and i finally felt secure and i felt like i knew myself better and it was so nice so i started then talking to people for a while and I thought to myself, okay, just because I'm asexual doesn't mean I can't have a partner, doesn't mean I can't get married and stuff. Um, then I spoke to someone for the best part of a year and then, interestingly enough, I went on Instagram one day and I saw them with someone else. And for most people, I think the reaction you're supposed to have is like one of anger or upset. I mean, this has been someone who I'd spoken to for literally a year. Like, we'd been talking for ages and seemed to be going really well. And then I saw him with this other person and 
instead of feeling angry or sad or anything else, I just thought to myself, thank God for that. He's found someone and I don't have to speak to him anymore. And this was a guy that I really connected with. Like, he seemed great. Like, I, I liked him, but not really, I don't think, ever in that sense of I liked him, liked him. I just wanted to be his friend. And I think that also confuses people a lot because I am very friendly. So because I know I'm asexual and I'm not looking for a relationship or anything else, I am naturally really friendly. I'm like a golden retriever to people that I don't even know. And I think they often sometimes get the wrong impression, especially if they're in a relationship and their significant other is like nearby. They're kind of like, who is this girl like is she you know is she like flirting in front of me and I'm there like no no don't worry like I'm just literally go out like a golden retriever I just want to be everyone's friend so if I ever come across you and give you a hug in front of like a significant other please know I'm not trying to flirt with you I am just wanting to be your friend <laughs> like I just want to be friends with everyone so yeah that's me um but yeah that's how I identify just as a fun fact for you guys and so there therefore there is no one special in my life at the moment other than my horses obviously and the animals so that's about as far as that goes now obviously getting into some really deep questions now <laughs> ben asked is your belly button an innie or an outie <laughs> well ben my belly button is an innie um, I don't know how I can expand on that question anymore. <laughs> so a question that Eclipse Equine has asked is, how cautious are you of what plants slash things appear in your fields? And a bracket, sorry, this is very random. <laughs> no, it's a good question. It's a really good question. So I think some people are very, very like hyper vigilant on what plants and stuff pop up. And I definitely am to an extent. Um, this year we have had a little bit of ragwort pop up in places and by a little bit I mean literally a tiny bit there's maybe like four or five pieces in a couple of the fields so not much at all but it's not something that I majorly panic about when I see because the horses as a lot of you will know horses don't eat ragwort unless there's nothing else in the field so it's not something that the second it pops up I'm like oh my god I have to run and get that otherwise everyone's gonna die like it's of course I will remove it but I'm not ultra panicked about it I'm sort of just like oh, okay cool there's some ragwort I'll go get that at some point you know um and I will do it as soon as I get a chance of course it's not something I brush aside but it's it's not something I panic about um I'm more concerned about like sycamore seeds and stuff because horses can pick them up really easily and often do and it doesn't actually take that many sycamore seeds to cause a fatality and I have had friends in the past who have lost horses to sycamore seed poisoning so I think that makes me a bit more hyper vigilant for things like that and um like acorns things anything like that but sycamore trees are definitely my sort of worst one I would say um buttercups and stuff we do get buttercups come up in our winter fields occasionally um they're all gone now thank god but <laughs> we do get that sometimes and yeah i think poisonous plants and trees and anything like that you do have to be very cautious and very aware of because it all depends on the horse as well your horse may go and 
eat a piece of ragwort a lot easier than any of mine would. Mine would avoid it unless there was literally nothing else and then they would eat it. And I think that's why you see a lot of yellow plants sometimes because horses will leave them until there's nothing left to eat. So then they'll eat them when they're desperate. Um, and that's why it's also, if, if a horse does get ragwort poisoning in a really bare field, then I do think it is, and that's just my opinion, but I do think it is very negligent because if if they're in a really grassy open field and there's just a couple of bits of ragwort and they manage to get ragwort poisoning, then I think that's just that individual horse and that's very unlucky. But if it's a field where there's like bare, no grass, like pretty much just dirt and a few pieces of ragwort, then it is very negligent to not pick that and make sure that it's out of the way as soon as possible because a horse is very likely to eat that, um, which obviously is not great at all. So um, yeah, I think always be on the lookout for plants and make yourself aware of what plants are poisonous. And if there's any doubt, act as if it is poisonous and be on the safe side. So we are into the last few minutes now, so I'm going to answer one more question, which is, I think, a good way to end it. And this is also from Ben, and he says, where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? So it's a bit more of an intricate question than the, is your belly button in, in your an outie, Ben? So thanks for that one. <laughs> but a good question, all the same. Where do you say, see yourself in 10 years' time? So I do see the business that I've started now still being my primary business. I hope it is anyway because I'm really enjoying it and I think it's been great for the community so far and we've seen so many people's lives that it's changed since they've come in and started at the riding school so it's fantastic and the you know the input and the response we've had from it has been brilliant so I hope that's something that I still have in those years to come. I also hope that I've still I'm able to do the online things. Obviously, I'll be 34 then, which is a bit scary. <laughs> but I do hope that I'll still be online and doing stuff like this. Who knows? Maybe in 10 years' time, we'll still be filming this podcast. <laughs> but who knows? If, if you guys do enjoy it, please let me know, because um, that would be really helpful. <laughs> but also, I think the biggest of things that I see in 10 years time is that I would like to have a family. So I would like to be able to see myself with kids. Um, that's something that I would really like for myself because as I mentioned earlier, I am asexual, but I've always wanted children and that's never going to change. I have always wanted kids. So um, hopefully that will happen to me. I'll be lucky enough to be able to have kids one day, um, in, in any sense of the word, whether I'm lucky enough to carry kids myself or whether I end up fostering and adopting, I'm not sure, but we'll just have to see where that road takes me. And hopefully that'll be sort of part of the journey that you guys can follow on with a bit as well. Although if I did have a child, I definitely, um, definitely wouldn't be sharing them that much online um, just because I don't think it's great if, to show a child online because as much as there's some lovely people out there, there are some very creepy people out there as well. And I certainly wouldn't want to um, to put my child in that environment. And you can't ask for them for permission until they're a lot older as to whether they want to be in that environment at all either. So, you know, we'll have to um, cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> 
But that is it, guys, for this podcast, for the first ever Blob the Cobcast. And I hope you guys like the names. I just thought it rolled off the tongue a little bit. (laughs) I hope you've all enjoyed it. And please, please, please let me know if you have or not. And what guests, what topics you'd like me to discuss and anything like that. I have been toying with the idea of maybe doing an Am I the Arsehole segment. Um, because I've seen a lot of other people do that on their podcasts and not horsey versions but I have had a look on Reddit and there are lots of horsey versions available so if you would like me to do some am I the arsehole little things on here that would be great Um, if you could let me know that would be fab but yeah I really hope you guys have enjoyed it and I have certainly enjoyed talking to all of you guys and by all of you guys I mean my microphone with a hypothetical wig on (laughs) so thank you very much for tuning in and if you really really enjoyed it then please share it if you're able to and uh, hopefully this is something we can keep doing for a while because it has been very fun for me to just sit down and have a chat with you guys So thank you for listening and I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Bye.